Grace to you and peace from our God, our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The basis for our message today is the Old Testament lesson, the account of Cain and Abel offering their sacrifice, and then Cain killing Abel. There's a saying that I've heard down through the years, that if you pray on Sunday morning, our Father who art in heaven, you shouldn't act like an orphan the rest of the week. The, the idea there is that what we do on Sunday morning should have an impact on how we live our life the rest of the week. That the heart that we've revealed to God and to show to God and worship God is a heart that should also love its neighbor. That's a challenge, is it not? And there is a connection between our worship and the life we live. We see that in the negative in our Old Testament lesson with Cain. We're going to examine that. We're going to examine the offering that Cain made and then Cain's conduct later. And we're going to see it was the same heart in both. And be reminded that, that our heart is to be filled with love and our heart is to be filled with love, not only in worship, but also as we live out our life. But now let's go back to the text. Now this text is famous because we have here the first murder, right? This is what we always remember about this. But what's interesting about this is we also have the first worship recorded for us, right? We have the first sacrifice recorded for us. There's been no worship or sacrifice by Adam and Eve yet. That, that's what it takes place here. But what I find always interesting is there's no record of God coming to Adam and Eve and telling them, this is how you are to worship. This is how you are to sacrifice. And yet it seems from the text that this was a natural thing for them to do. It reminds us that that worship is something that God places upon our hearts. That God draws us to worship. It certainly did for Adam and Eve and for Cain and Abel. But there are no guidelines to, to judge the sacrifices that are offered. And so we have the first sacrifice, the first sacrifice of Abel that is accepted, right? But we're not told why. We're in the text itself, we're just simply told that God regarded Abel's, but did not regard Cain's. Yet when we go to the author of Hebrews, he tells us, by faith Abel offered a, to God a more acceptable sacrifice. It's faith that made the difference between Abel's sacrifice and Cain's sacrifice. And then if we go back to the text, we see a reflection of that, right? We, when we know that it is faith that makes Abel's sacrifice acceptable, when we hear Moses say, Abel also brought the firstborn of the flock and of their fat portions, we know that the faith that Abel had is demonstrated in the fact that he gives the best of his, of his flock, that he doesn't hold anything back. His actions demonstrate the faith that he has, and therefore, the faith... It is the faith that makes the sacrifice acceptable. But not only do we have the first accepted sacrifice, we have the first rejected sacrifice. Right? We're told that Cain's sacrifice was not regarded. And if Abel's sacrifice was accepted because of faith, why is it that Cain's is not? It's clearly that he did not offer it in faith. That his heart was hard. And we see that again if we look at Moses' description. Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. Notice no mention of the first fruits, the best of the fruits. No mention of anything like that. And that omission reminds us that Cain had a hard heart, that he had no faith, that he had no love. And when you're reading through this first part of the sacrifices, you don't realize how hard his heart really is. As the text unfolds, we see that Cain becomes angry over the sacrifice. God even warns him about that anger. 
but he doesn't heed the warning of God because he has no faith. And because of that, we see how hard his heart becomes that he calls to his brother, brings him out of the field, and kills him. That Cain's heart had no faith. And it had no love. It had no true love for God, and therefore it had no true love for his neighbor. You see, that's what we are called to. We are called to worship God in love, but that love isn't just toward God. Our love is toward those God has placed in our life. You cannot have love for God and have hatred for your neighbor. It doesn't work. It does not fit. This is not what we are called to do. And this is our struggle, is it not? You see, Jesus reminds us, even on the Sermon on the Mount, how important it is to God that we love our neighbor even more than our worship. You remember Jesus saying in the Sermon on the Mount, leave your gift, therefore, before the altar, and go first be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Isn't that a clear demonstration that God's desire for you to offer to him most, first and most is love for those God has placed in your life? That you cannot separate the two. Our love for God and our love for the neighbor. They're intimately intertwined. But we want to separate that, right? We want to separate it. We want to come and worship God and show our love for him, but then the rest of the week kind of live the way that we want to live. You see, there are people that we love. There are always people in our life that are easy to love, right? Family, friends, though not always easy to love, but, but still, they're, they're, they're people who love us, right? And so we love them back. But there are other people who it's more difficult to love. But when our Lord said, love your neighbor, there, there's no little fine print underneath that, saying that there are exceptions. There's no exception for someone who hurts you. Yet we want to justify the fact that, well, we aren't going to love them if they hurt or harm us. Sometimes we want to justify it if, if they live a life differently than, than we agree with. We want to justify it if they ignore us or they do something. We have all sorts of reasons by which, almost like a checklist, that must be fulfilled for us to love them. But that's not how it is. Our Lord calls upon us to love him and to love those around us. The command is clear. The in, they are indeed intertwined. This worship of love for God and our love the rest of the week. But we need to understand that this faithful worship, if we're ever going to have it, begins with God. God is the one who has invited you to worship today. We call it divine service because not only has he invited you to come, but he comes to serve you. He begins the worship. If we think about it, there's no way that we have a right to worship God in our unholiness and our sin. Only that which is holy and right before God can come to him, can approach him, can pray to him, and can praise him. The only reason that you are able to be here today is because of what Christ has done for you on the cross the forgiveness that he has earned, the fact that he would go to the cross and suffer and die for you so that you could be made holy, that he could rise from the dead and give you new life, a life with him, a life filled with his love and filled with his forgiveness. And that's what the Lord made possible, and that's what the Lord did. And he brought that to you. He brought it to you through the word, or for many of us it was in baptism. 
like I did with the children's message, the idea of, of, of baptism, is God opens our heart. Our heart is by nature cold and sinful. God opens our hearts and fills it up with Him and His love. He unites us to Himself so that we might be united to Him and that we might have love. His Word comes to us and we hear the announcement of what He has done. And we hear Him say, as we did this morning, that, that we are forgiven. We are loved by Him. You've actually received that forgiveness once again. But it's always with the intention of going forward. Even if you think about the baptismal liturgy that, that we'll have in the second service, it's interesting that, that part of the address to the sponsors and the parents, are you going to place in the child the, 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 the Bible? Are you going to raise the child in the knowledge and the worship of God? Are you going to teach them the Ten Commandments, the Lord's Prayer, the Creed? That, that this life that is given to us in our baptism is a life that grows and blossoms and flourishes, not only on Sunday, but but Tuesday and Wednesday and Friday. That, that it makes a difference in how we live and how we conduct ourselves. This is what we are called to do as baptized children of God. God so fills our hearts with love so that we can't help but love those around us. That the worship that we offer this morning is to be extended to those who we meet this afternoon and tomorrow and the next day and so on. That, 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 that it comes together just as Cain's unbelief extended to his life so too is our belief and our faith to extend to our life. And it starts again here. As we move forth from here, we, we move forth in, in humility, right? Here we're reminded of how far, we sh how far short we fall, that we don't love as we should, that, that we do have a checklist of those we want to love and those we don't want to love. And as we come here today, our Lord forgives us for that sin, of all of our sins. And in that humility, we go forward with the opportunity to serve. And our Lord wants us to be intentional about our love. Our Lord wants us to, to look at our life. He's blessed you with, with gifts and talents that, that are combined in you like they are combined in no one else. He's blessed you with, with, a, with gifts, with talents, with interests. And he wants you to take stock. What are the things that the Lord has blessed you with? And then he also wants you to look around. What needs do you see? Among your family, your friends, your neighbors? And as you see a match, where, where your, your abilities match the need, we are called to act. And that's how we are to live our life. Because again, love always involves action. It's never just from a distance. But our love is involved in the way that we deal with one another. And so where we see a need and, and where we have an opportunity, we reach out. And we do it boldly. Realizing that it's not always going to work out. Sometimes we reach out in love and it's not really well received. And we are imperfect people. Sometimes we reach out and, and do our best, but it's not as helpful as we want. But we're forgiven. And we're blessed. God blesses our activity. And as we reach out in love to our neighbor, don't you think God accepts it as much as he does Sunday morning in our love for him? Isn't our action toward our neighbor in reaching out in service a worship of God? A worship that pleases God, does it not? That you were designed to do. That was set out before you to do. And God receives that with joy. It is indeed a, a worship of service that God receives joyfully. So as we conclude, our life doesn't always fit the way it's supposed to be, right? We're never perfect in, in our love and our service for our neighbor. Our heart is divided. We are at the same time a sinner and a saint. Even after our baptized, we still have that, that old nature within us. There's still that battle that wages. 
But that's why we need God's service first. God serves you today. He serves you in forgiving you, in loving you, and he equips you not only to love him back, but to love your neighbor. And to know as you go forward that no matter what, you are loved by him because he has reached into your life and claimed you as his own for now and forever. Amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all human understanding guide our hearts and minds to true faith, to life everlasting. Amen.